0: You're looking for another rent, boy. They're on the corner of Smith Street. Manners maketh man. Do you know what that means? Then let me teach you a lesson.
1: stand around here all day or are we going to fight
0: Greetings dear listeners and welcome to another episode of Fans About Films. I am your host, Lasse Vogt, and I couldn't be happier to introduce today's guest. He is a Hollywood composer who has done not only a lot of additional music for beloved soundtracks, but he also happened to compose some of my favorite scores of the last few years. He worked with directors like Jeff Wadlow, Matthew Vaughn, and Tim Burton, and I am a huge fan of his output. I proudly present to you Mr. Matthew Marcheson.
1: Hey, Alassie. How are you doing? Pleasure
0: to be here. <laughs> I'm doing great. It's fantastic to have you on this show. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of your work, and I can't believe that I actually got you on this show.
1: <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the, uh, the kind words. That means a lot.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, yeah, I am um, uh, actually also a good friend with uh, Ian Crab, who interviewed you a couple of years ago for Citroen Theatre. And uh, when I talked about him that I might get you as a guest, he was uh, very happy and, and and said I should uh, yeah I should say greetings to you of course. Fantastic! I'll tell him I said hello. <laughs> and so um, we actually had to postpone this. Um, interview for a few hours because you just came back from a recording session.
1: I did. I had a last-minute um, recording session for a television show that I'm working on right now, uh, which was supposed to be, um, I think it was supposed to be last week, but they kept moving dates around to get availability of actors and all sorts of boring details, which caused us to uh, to be here right now.
0: Okay. Um, are you allowed to talk about that project or is that classified?
1: Uh, no, it's a it's a TV show I've been doing for a couple of years. It's a t- it's a TBS show called Wrecked. Um, it's a half hour long comedy uh, about a bunch of uh, of uh, how can we say beloved but silly characters that get um, shipped, uh, stranded on an island via a plane via, uh, via a plane crash.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, I, I heard about that. I've, I think I've seen some of that, so that's, yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's always cool to uh, hear what some people are currently working on.
1: Yeah, of course. S- I, I, I've been doing the show for a couple of years now, and um, I've I've absolutely, as silly as the show is, I've absolutely fallen in love with all of the characters. There, uh, it's a it's a really it's a really charming comedy. They make the, the characters very easy to get attached to.
0: Yeah, yeah um that's always helpful of course especially with a tv show um well um uh, what i uh, i have of course uh, a couple of questions uh, prepared for you and uh, one of them i want to ask right now um how exactly did your career start and what was your inspiration for becoming a film composer
1: i'll reverse the questions i um when i was growing up i was really in intrigued with musical theater and um i did a lot of shows both acting on stage and doing musical direction for um in the in the orchestra pit um and so i think i i kind of developed a love for you know the marriage of music and um story when i was really young and then um and then I, I was oddly enough um, working at a video rental store in my teens and uh, was able to kind of sit there as an employee and watch a lot of movies and I was watching a lot of older films that I started paying attention to film music and getting interested in it and um, and by the time I was you know hitting my late teen years I, I kind of knew this was something that I really wanted to dive into and pursue so I, I went to university, I went to college up in Boston at Berkeley College of Music and they have a really great program for film music so i studied there under some really fantastic teachers and um when i was finished with there i i drove out to los angeles and knocked on a couple doors and you know make a long story short here we are sitting and um you know talking on your podcast about music and film
0: (laughs) that's awesome that's that's totally cool. Yeah, I, I think you know a lot of these stories start kind of like in this classic way when some people worked uh, at a video store and kind of cut for the inspiration there.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's many different paths to doing um, this type of career, and um, you know when I when I moved out to Los Angeles, I I found an opening at, at an internship working with um, Klaus Badelt, uh another German composer. Um, and I worked for him for a couple of years, just kind of doing assistant jobs, making coffees and wrapping wires and setting up studios and and just kind of being a fly on the wall and was able to learn a lot of the tricks of the trade that way. And um, I stopped working for Klaus and started working for another uh, composer, an American composer called Jim Dooley. And it was when I started working for Jim that I really got a chance to be creative and it was less of an assistant position and more of an apprentice position. And so I I started getting some hours, you know, behind the writing desk working for Jim. And it was it was probably, you know, some of the some of if not the most valuable time uh, in my career to really cut my teeth and, and learn the ropes that way, actually doing some writing.
0: So that, that, that was pretty much your beginning, just you know, um, as an assistant, and then you know, kind of like as an intern, and then you know, kind of like um, learning by listening, learning by doing. And what was like your first um, soul, um composing job for what project?
1: Um, it was. I mean, as far as I mean, there were there were many like. Kind of independent films and short films and commercials and stuff, but the first big film that I did on my own was a Universal Studios picture called um, Skyline. Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a sci-fi um, alien invasion um, kind of action movie, and uh, it was it was a really great experience. It was it was interesting for the first time being on the front lines and having all that responsibility to deliver. You know, approved music and, and to record it all, and to orchestrate it all, and to mix it all, and to you know having having that whole responsibility. Um, that was the first project that I was able to take on all of that by myself, and and I, I would say it was a success. It was a successful learning experience, and the um, I know the production was happy, and the the, the movie's gone on to be a, somewhat of a cult classic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really well known. Um, I, I've, I've uh, I, I didn't see it when it came came out. I saw it, I saw it much later. But yeah, you're you're totally right with a uh, with a phrasing called classic. Yeah. Like I said in my introduction you also did a lot of additional music for certain soundtracks for different composers and I'm always interested in um like uh, can you name specific parts in those movies you scored or you uh, at least like remember scoring
1: oh good question well some of them were so long ago um one of the ones I'm quite proud of is I worked on the Mozart arrangement in Hans Zimmer's score to um, Sherlock Holmes II: The Game of Shadows. There's a there's kind of a Don Giovanni performance in the movie that had to be quote unquote Zimmerized for the film. <laughs> Music on um, the Expendables, um, Brian Tyler score. I, I feel like in the beginning of my my career doing additional music, I kind of got pigeonholed into being the action guy, which I didn't quite mind. <laughs> um, they, I think I think sometimes you look at some of these four, five, six minute long action cues and. You know, you you think, oh, they this is going to take forever to do, and I, I kind of embraced doing some of the action stuff. So I'm in 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 my earlier career, I think I think a lot of the action scenes um, were the ones that I was kind of res- more responsible for, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, the action genre is a, a really thankful place uh, to compose music for. Yeah,
1: yeah, and 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 one of my one of the directors I work with now, um, Matthew Vaughn, there was four composers. On the first Kick-Ass movie, and um, through an odd series of events, I was brought in to do some arranging on the last action fight in the film between Hit Girl and the the boss, whose name is Frank. So, so the the big the fight at the end of Kick-Ass was um, one that I did successfully, and that was basically my introduction to working with matthew Vaughn as a director and that has proved to be quite a fruitful relationship between the
0: two of us oh yeah yeah it certainly has that part is really awesome i remember that music really sticking out uh, during that uh, particular scene i mean it's a, it's a fun and energetic movie anyway and uh, and the music really uh, mirrors that and um, so i was uh, yeah i was really excited um for a uh, forward movie and for for everything that had to do with it i mean uh, to this day, it stands as you know, kind of like a risky project, and um, it's it's one also yeah one of the few movies I can recall that actually has like four uh, credited main composers.
1: I know, right? It's pretty uncanny these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you have you have a lot of composers working on a different project, but but for the most time, it's it's mostly just the like, two main composers, and then you know you have a few additional musicians. Uh, it's it's not it's not common anymore to have really like four or even five. <laughs> and I think you know that uh, working on that project also brought you um, to the sequel.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. When um, when the sequel was was being shot, um, I think they had asked Henry to come back, Henry Jackman, because he had written the main theme for Kick Ass, um, and he was doing quite a bit at the time. So uh, in order to get things done with the deadline that they had, Matthew Vaughn said, well, what about that young kid that um, that did the Frank fight from the first one? And so, you know, Henry gave me a call and we kind of did it together as a co-write.
0: And that was the start of a, um, a successful uh, cooperation for a few projects.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. I, I love working with Henry. Uh, we have a a deep mutual respect for each other. And I think we, we work very well together.
0: Yeah. You can certainly hear that in the, uh, in the scores you did together. Um, I was a big fan of, um, the first Kingsman when it came out and also of the score. Um, the score for the first one was, was number three of my top 10 scores of
1: 2015.
0: Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, and the score for the sequel, um, was actually, um, Uh, on the second place of last year oh
1: fantastic
0: (laughs) so i actually moved up in my review Um, i actually said uh, i i I couldn't believe that they actually uh, made the score was even better than the first one in my opinion um but 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 you succeeded i was uh, incredibly impressed by those and i um will come back to those yeah because um what i also wanted to ask is like what is the process when there are two composers working on a movie
1: good question (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't think there. I don't think there is a textbook process for it. I think it's a big, messy collaboration, and you kind of have to make your way through it. with With Henry and I, we've done it so many times now that we kind of have a shorthand with each other. You know, sometimes we're sitting in the same room, coming up with themes for characters together, and sometimes he goes off in his lab and I go off in my lab, and we kind of do our own thing and meet in the middle someplace. But the beautiful thing is. Um, you know, in a, in a more traditional setting, you have one um, person who writes a piece for a scene and they show it to the director. But in, in this hand, with two, we have the opportunity for another set of ears to look at a scene and to maybe bring a different perspective than just you might have on, on your own, you know, if that makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, totally. That's that's really cool. You know, the, the more, the more people who can kind of uh, give give their two cents. You know, as long as their uh, opinions are are trustworthy and they are uh, well educated about the music. I mean, that that certainly helps.
1: Yeah, of course, and it's it's different things. It's, sometimes it may be an orchestrational decision or a pace decision or a theme decision. There's all different components to look at with lots of ears. You know.
0: Yeah, and how, how was your process exactly on the Kingsman films? Because uh, a lot of people recognized wide array. You certainly did quite the um, John Barry slash David Arnold uh, homage with, um, with a theme and some of the um, orchestrations. Was that always the intention? And how did it kind of uh, develop uh, from where you started and where it uh, ended up being?
1: If you were to ask Matthew Vaughn, We always wanted to portray a little nod to the James Bond series, not necessarily a ripoff or anything, but we just wanted to pay honor to the British spy genre. So we kind of used some of those devices and some of the instruments that are in some of the earlier Bond films and some of the types of harmonies and orchestrations. Um, You know, we never really went back and listened to those scores and ripped them off, but I think we we all kind of said, as far as our memories serve us, what are some of the key elements to these things, and let's sprinkle those on the score so that it, it, it pays homage to that genre
0: oh yeah and and you you succeeded immensely like it, it it doesn't sound like a ripoff at all it certainly just sounds like a loving um, homage without being too obvious you know the, the score manages to stand on its own but still you can hear uh, the inspiration you can hear what it's uh, supposed to be uh, at its core and it works fantastically thank you really curious because I myself am a big fan of Tim Burton and all of his work and uh, through, uh, through his uh, regular collaborator Danny Elfman I discovered film music for myself um, with *Nightmare Before Christmas so I think most of the uh, film score commu- community was, was really kind of uh, baffled when uh, you and uh, Mike Highham's name showed up for his uh, project Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children because I think nobody expected those two names as the kind of like shall I say replacement composers for Elfman who I think was just um, you know busy at that time and how did you end up scoring that project
1: well I I will add to what you just said by um I don't think anyone was more surprised than than me to (laughs) to uh, see my name up there with Mike's on uh, a Tim Burton film. Mike Hyam and Tim Burton actually go way back. Mike has served as his music supervisor and music editor for for a number of films. Mm. And Mike and I had worked together on a musical called Into the Woods a couple of years prior to that. Yeah. Danny was busy with a couple of things and the scheduling wasn't working out. And so Tim and Mike got together and and what are we going to do about this conversation and, and mike actually thought that personality wise you know I would I would really get along well with Tim he asked if I'd fly over to London and and, and meet Tim and just kind of have a coffee with him and watch some of the film and and uh, and see what I thought and and see you know if Tim thought it would be a good match and and <clears throat> what happened was he had given me a couple of scenes to take back to Los Angeles with me and score my take on them, which I did, and and I think he was pretty pleased with the direction we we're we we're going. And the rest is history.
0: <laughs> That's so great because that also uh, that score also ended up on my uh, on my top ten list of that uh, particular year. Um, I, I I liked it really much because I'm I am one of the biggest uh, Danny Elfman fans out there. And so, but but so I I actually um, was uh, approaching the score with just you know open arms and open ears because it it would be really uh, because I thought as a as a soundtrack critic it would be really unfair to uh, go into the score you know expecting like oh it's it's not in the and well I will be extra judgmental with this but I, I was like no no I will. Uh, I will just uh, uh, go to this as as I would with any other score, you know, without any expectations and see what it throws at me. And I was um, really endeared by by, by the whole score. Like, what was uh, your biggest challenge on that? Because it's quite a a versatile um, soundtrack.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Danny Elfman of it all, I mean, look, Danny and Tim have an amazing... Artistic relationship, and and in no way did Mike and I ever intend to step on any feet. Or, you know, one of the one of the biggest things we wanted to do was we didn't want it to sound like we were trying to do Danny Elfman, mm-hmm. because that would have that would have just been a disaster for everyone. Um, I think the biggest challenge to the film was, um, you know, whenever you're working with a new director. Uh, especially someone like Tim Burton, it's to figure him out and to figure out where his head's at. And so I think the first month or so of us writing on that, we kind of had to figure out what our palette was and what the what the mood of the film was. And was it a busy score? Was it a sparse score? Was it an ambient score? And to <clears throat> to try these things with with Tim. Um, and, and reading him and figuring out what his reactions were, that proved a little bit challenging at the first, but I think once we realized what he did like and what he didn't like, um, then we were just off to the races in, in, in finishing the score. But yeah, I think coming up with the general world, musical world that we lived in was probably the most challenging for that for that project.
0: Oh yeah, and you can certainly um, you know identify uh, the several moods, the, the themes for the, uh, for the characters and also for the uh, bad creatures uh, which are uh, haunting uh, and uh, hunting the heroes. Um, it was uh, quite identifiable um, from the first listen on and uh, it, it, it just got uh, better and better each time. captivated by it and uh, i i want to see the movie with a um, uh, with a friend and uh, her and i both um recognized uh, uh during the uh during the scene um doing like the, the, the big end fight scene where they're throwing candy and it's this uh, great fight uh, at the carnival going on like this uh, this electronic um, piece which uh, which, you know, which uh, certainly has uh, some of the uh, main music in it, but it's uh, stylistically totally different And we were wondering if that was kind of like supposed to be a mixture of source music and uh, actual score
1: Yeah, it was it was an idea that um, Tim had talked to us about at the very beginning of the process of, of we wanted this to be <clears throat> exactly what you said uh, like source music that turns into score um, whether or not we accomplished that or, or not is 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 to be seen. But um, but yeah, it was a it was an interesting choice, and it was, you know, um, it was a lot of fun to do. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was like I said, it was originally a, a, a Tim thought, let's try this out, and he seemed to be on board with it the whole time. So we just kind of kept chopping at it and and seeing if we could retain that balance of it still having elements of the score in it while still being kind of a contemporary you know you know electronica piece
0: oh yeah yeah um it it, it works it works really well like it's it, it's a fun sequence and the music gives it the the extra edge and the extra bit of um of quirkiness because there's a lot of uh, fun stuff going on with with the gags and how the how the skeletons are, are fighting the monsters it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, we we both like uh, the the music caught uh, both of our ears, and we kind of looked at each other. And we were like, "Oh, this is something different."
1: Yeah, it, and, it, and I think it, you you hit the nail on the head. It, it does give you permission to have fun through the whole sequence.
0: Oh yeah. Speaking of uh, more electronic scores, uh, my little brother, um, who just turned 11 a few days ago, he loves um, the movie Eddie the Eagle. He uh, oh. we watched it and he fell in love with it. And uh, he, uh, both of us, we are uh, big fans um, of that soundtrack, of course. And he he actually also has uh, most of your soundtracks on his ipod and um he listens to that one a lot and um so he he wanted he also uh, like uh, wanted to say to me when he uh figured out that i i was interviewing you that he was like i i should tell you that he's also a big fan of your work and uh yeah he really and he's really happy <laughs>
1: Oh, well, I appreciate his uh, his ears listening. It's always nice to hear.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, because also uh, with that movie, um, as soon as the music kicked in, I I think I immediately got what you uh, wanted to do with this soundtrack. Why don't you elaborate a little on this?
1: Um, well, when we first started working on that on that project, um, we were unsure of what the score should be. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, one could have scored that really traditionally and made a really heartfelt, uh, you know, drama using the orchestra. Again, we were working with Matthew Vaughn and and he said, you know, just before we throw the baby out with the bathwater, we should... Let's just try doing a couple scenes with and, and really committing to do a throwback 1980s score. I went to the studio for about a week and wrote the whole opening sequence. And it was um, we just we kept calling it the overture instead of instead of it being broken apart when Eddie the Eagle is growing up and wanting to go to the Olympics. Let's make it one big montage that's all connected with music. Mm-hmm. And. And when I wrote that, and we played it to Matthew, and we played it to Dexter Fletcher, the director, I think everyone listening to it the first time was basically like, "Yeah, this is this is the way we need to go. Let's commit to doing an '80s score." Because the film alludes to that, you know, the colors and and um, you know, you have all these, these symbols from <clears throat> from the late '80s and the Olympics in Canada then. So I think it just it felt right to commit to using those instruments and those harmonies and the, those types of melodies and, and drum textures. And, and I'll tell you, it was, um, you know, being a child of the eighties myself, it was one of the most fun working experiences I've ever had. Being able to listen to all those old Harold Faltermeyer scores for, for reference of, of what, what was going on back then.
0: Yeah. I, I, the movie is a total throwback and, and the score a mirrors that it's, uh, those synthesizers sound fantastic. And I, I immediately was like, Oh, this, uh, this is great. This is an, awesome approach uh, to to this type of film and we both yeah like uh, also my mother was was watching it with us we all really enjoyed it but my uh, little brother he just fell in love with the movie and it's it was great how he responded to it and so we were we were all really happy and yeah, it's, uh, it's just great that uh, music like this um, still gets written for uh, certain films.
1: It's not, it's not every film you have the opportunity to do that, so I'm, I'm glad that at least once in my life I was able to kind of go back to my roots.
0: Yeah, because um, you know the, the 80s and everything um, with the nostalgia, uh, it's currently in now, like it's, uh, it has come back uh, since a few years, so maybe we will hear um, some more of these type of scores in the future. I mean, you have um, the *Stranger Things* um, with that uh, totally uh, throwback score going on. Um, you have uh, certain other things um, who are, who are try- which are trying it. Um, I'm always um, really curious um, when I when I see a film that will take, you know, that's taking place in that specific era. Which approach uh, they are gonna go with the music?
1: yeah it is it is interesting and and today even like you said it's not even just films it's in television too with stranger things and <clears throat> you know you have it's a it's a wide open playing field you know
0: yeah that's why i love film music so much you know it's it gives you this big opportunity to to play around with uh with a lot of uh, toys and styles and um you can create something really unique with it
1: yes definitely <laughs>
0: um so like, like i uh, like i said i um I'm a big fan of your work and I am um, uh, especially of the, of the Kingsman scores. Those were just um, great fun. I enjoyed the heck out of uh, listening to those. And um, like uh, with a uh, second film, like I think it's always challenging to uh, compose for a sequel um, because um, there might be... Like kind of like the dare to just repeat what worked about the first movie and uh, play it safe, but I think most composers uh, know about uh, know about this and actually try to um, elaborate on um, on the material. And and you did it like you you, you both uh, totally uh, elevated, especially with the uh, statesman material.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's what we had working for us. For the sequel was that you have this whole entire new group of characters so we have the <clears throat> the kingsman musical world that we know from the first one but this gave an opportunity to have um you know to have a whole new genre of of music in there and because they're essentially cowboys we were able to bring this this western kind of grassroots bluegrass um genre to the film as well and in, and you know when they're being a bit more noble in nature we were able to bring a little aaron copeland in with some brass fanfares and um you know things things like this a little bit more traditional in nature so yeah i think i think the movie inherently gave us a lot of opportunity to expand on the world that we had created for the first one
0: oh yeah because i actually listened to the soundtrack before i went to see the film and when the track tequila came up and i I heard those um those western uh sounding uh guitars and everything i actually I actually had a good laugh because I was like oh this is this is totally how, how I would have done it like I I would have uh, I would have done something like with with, uh, you know with cowboy music it was it was great like I actually I actually uh, laughed a little bit and and I think I was listening to it uh, in my classroom during like a break and then some people like looked at me like what are you listening to is it funny
1: You know, it was it was and end to record. So we we recorded some. The orchestra rec- we recorded in London, but some of the guitars and and fiddles you know, we recorded in Nashville and we recorded in LA. And so those session players are just amazing. You know, they're they're just wonderful people to work with. hope yeah. I have the opportunity to do it again. Some, they were just amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially like the the Kingsmen Hold On track. I I know how, uh, I know how they. I think that that idea came from uh, Vaughn himself, um, and the, sadly, the, the track is not in the film itself. I think it would have been great for the end credits, like like for for a big ending credits montage.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was great. He, like you said, he had this idea for. For the end of the film, I I want to I want to ha- have a piece that sounds like 25 violinists and 40 dobros and 30 guitars all playing at the same time, just completely jamming. And you know, we didn't we didn't exactly get that many players, but we had um, we had a really fantastic group session of ridiculous musicians, um, and it was it was a lot of fun to record. I will tell you.
0: yeah, and it was a lot of fun listening to it. I, I had a lot of fun um, with that. I actually, I'm actually planning to. Um, uh, like uh, kind of like taking certain scenes of the movie and edit them together, so they would uh, make like, a, like like an end credits montage and put that music over it, like and and edit the credits uh, myself and then see how it how it would work.
1: That's why I'd love to see it. We'll send it
0: along. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. I, I, as soon as I'm done with that, um, I will do that. It, it would be it would be a lot of fun. It would be, um, I, I think, a great uh, experiment. <laughs> Oh, yeah like, at, uh, like I said big big fan of those scores and uh, just just in general of, of film music uh, I listen to nothing else and uh, as soon as you um, kind of like uh, made a name um, of yourself and uh, uh, put your work out there like I immediately Uh, caught on to it and I was like hey this uh, this this guy is cool like let's listen to some more of it and you know I uh, mostly through your works with Henry Jackman also your uh, solo projects I mean you're doing um, you also worked with uh, Blumhouse uh, composing for um, a truth or dare how was that experience
1: um, it was, it was great. Blumhouse, um, was a, was a great company to work with. And it was my second time working with, um, the director, Jeff Wadlow, who I, who I, you know, I'm I'm honored to work with him. I think he's, he's such a brilliant young director who's got an awesome future in front of him. And, um, you know, we, we work, like I said, this is our second time working together. So the shorthand was coming there and, and, you know, I can, I can read him, you know, now, um, the, the 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 collaboration is is becoming you know is is fantastic I hope to work with him again and uh, yeah the movie was 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 fantastic it's a little a horror film or a thriller I should say based on a you know, the game that we all, we all love to hate and hate to
0: love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it was really big marketing campaign where it immediately caught the attention of a lot of people. So, um, and I mean, um, the business model of, of Plumhouse, uh, it is kind of genius. So, uh, it's, sure. it's, it's, uh, also with, with the marketing and everything. So it's, uh, it, it was certain that a lot of people would, would watch it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Definitely. They, they, um, like you mentioned, their business model is is amazing. No one's doing; they do so many films a year, and um, and you know most of them are are really terrific. And you and of course you always have one or two every year that are just standout films. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a brilliant brilliant way of running the company.
0: Yeah, totally. Like you had to, you don't have much risk. Um, you you have you spend a couple of uh, million dollars on each project, and um, it's you know they they're sure to make their money back and even be really successful. And so you yeah. have a great variety of uh, of films uh, in there, and sometimes you know, sometimes they're so good you actually um, you actually kind of can't believe it. It's it's amazing yeah. um, how how diverse it is, and it's also amazing how well uh, audiences respond nowadays to horror films. They're consistently doing well.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely you know movies like Get Out and The Conjuring. It's they've really. Um, they really, there's a renaissance in the genre
0: now, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I remember when uh, I think Blumhouse it, w- wasn't really uh, the company we know today. When like the first Insidious uh, was made, like when when Jason Blum was a producer on that, and I, um, I, I really loved that film. And then you know, um, more and more, it it kind of like uh, developed into its own company and uh they and i like how they vary the logo sometimes you know sometimes it's like because uh, it's funny when you when you're not quite sure what you're gonna get from a certain blumhouse film you can tell how the logo plays out like when it's the full-on uh, horror show logo with a spinning chair and the creepy girl you know that you are in for some hardcore stuff
1: right right of course. <laughs>
0: And, and you know, sometimes I want to play it, uh, shall I say, a little bit more classy, and then they just uh, show the uh, show the corner um, with uh, with a sign and everything. So and then you know, oh, maybe this one won't be so graphic.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the the they're little Easter eggs, you know.
0: Yeah, that's all. That's always funny. I I love it when when uh, studios play with their logos around like that. Uh, something else I wanted to ask you is. Do you actually listen to other film music in your free time? And if so, which composers are your favorites?
1: Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I do listen to some film music, except except it's not it's not what I go to you know all the time. I'll I'll mostly listen to scores if there's you know if if there's a. a, a a new film, like a big new film coming out or some big hype around a score or a film, I'll check out what the composer has done. For instance, when the Star Wars Han Solo movie came out, of course, I needed to check out John Powell's score as soon as I could. Um, <laughs> but things like that, you know, thing, things where the releases are kind of events in our small world. Um, but um, my, my favorite composers, I mean, you know, I, I, love, I love the classics, I love... You know i fell in love with film music listening to bernard herman and john williams and um you know elmer bernstein and well, danny elfman of course jerry goldsmith all these guys that kind of really w- wrote the textbooks on <laughs> what we what we consider you know our the golden age of film music now um but as far as the contemporary guys people that are 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 writing music now um Younger composers. Um, I think obviously John, John Powell is amazing and one of the one of if not the best film music composer working today. Um, I, I really enjoy the music of, um, of Daniel Pemberton. I think is is immensely talented. Mm-hmm. I think Dave Porter is great. I, I I really love you know some of the stuff that these guys are coming out with for, for television now. Bear McCreary and Dave Porter and. With Martinez and these guys that, I mean it tv tv music is is i mean television shows in in general right now is it's this new medium that has had a renaissance in the past you know 10 15 years and and there's so much art in it now and it's not just you know sitcoms and, and crime dramas there's some real there's some real artistic thought put in between the making of the shows and the music
0: oh yeah especially like uh, since uh, the first season of game of thrones you know it uh, sure. it has been it, it has gotten huge with TV shows and also you know with I think that put an, a new spotlight kind of like on uh, soundtracks specifically TV soundtracks with uh, Raman Javadi's a main theme uh, because that's always great about television when you have the chance to um, have a main theme that plays every time during the opening credits so people are sure to remember it
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> because that's kind of that's kind of a pity that um, in movies, uh, opening credits are kind of dying out because that was always the chance for the composer to um, uh, emerge the audience into the movie up front musically, you know, just showing, you know, there will be no dialogue right now. It's just the opening credits and my music and you will get the chance to listen to it and um, getting used to it for the uh, whole film that follows. And uh, sadly, that... Rarely happens anymore. Sometimes it does, even like in unexpected places. But it's uh, it's, it has become more of a a tradition now to to do like the big ending credits, which I am also a fan of. But it's, you know, that was also a great opportunity for the composer.
1: Yeah, of course. And and like you were saying, you know, in in movies too, there's not that much opera. There's mostly these cold opens where the movie just starts. You know, I was lucky with um, Miss Peregrine that we had a chance to write a good two minute you know, opening main title. Um, with the Kingsman films, <clears throat> in the first one, there is kind of a main title, but it's so short that you it doesn't really get a chance to stand on its own. You know, hopefully, hopefully something like that is 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 brought back in films when when the opportunity is there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, sometimes the score has the chance to uh, get into the foreground, and uh, people uh, will remember it when the uh, when when the music um, actually is is loud enough and and the sound mixing is just right. Uh, yeah, it's always great because I that um, was also the case with the first Kingsman. I, I listened to the score up front, but not to all of it, and then I doing the final uh final fight scene i I realized like some of the music oh I hope this is on the album and it was you <laughs> also worked with hans Zimmer on the fourth pirate score as an additional composer. can you remember a specific scene you tackled for that because the pirates movies um always have so much music that um that that sadly doesn't end up on on the album so i I think there is a there's a lot missing there in terms of a release. So, so, can you remember a certain part you contributed to?
1: I remember I I arranged the music for that movie. Um, oh, um, a lot of the Blackbeard music I did the the, the, the Blackbeard opening suite. Um, Hans, of course, wrote, but I helped with some of the arrangements of that. Um, Jack Sparrow's first appearance in that film when he escapes from his trial and has a has a carriage a carriage ride where he's escaping um i did that and and some of the mermaid music if i remember if my memory serves me correct not there's a big um mermaid fight sequence where they attack i i wasn't part of that but a lot of the other um a lot of the other mermaid sequences i i remember kind of having a part in 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 creating and arranging
0: oh yeah yeah uh, those always feature um great themes and great bits Uh, my my first uh, soundtrack review was actually for Abraham Lincoln uh, Vampire Hunter which you also uh, were a part of. Is there any specific scene you can remember you wrote some music for?
1: Oh boy Um, again that was was, I think in a time when I was doing a lot of action stuff Um, (laughs) I remember there being a huge horse stampede that I worked on quite a bit There's a big train, a big train sequence at the end of the film, which I which I arranged for Henry. Um, there were kind of these big set piece action films that I was slaving over for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah! Um, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun. The the music for that we were able to kind of really dive deep into some um, octatonic harmony um, and uh, and 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 come up with some really cool, some really cool ideas.
0: Yeah, that score was great. I was I was really. Um, I was enraptured by that. It, it has some great themes, and it's uh, just so energetic and it's so bombastic. It it really uh, fits the overall visual style, and um, I I uh, listen to it uh, still today. Like it, it, I just I just can't get it out of my head, and I have to remind myself. Oh yeah, this, this score is just so awesome, especially the horse stampede sequence uh, that also sticks out in the movie. But uh, as a mu- as a music uh, piece, definitely. Great,
1: awesome, glad you appreciate
0: it. <laughs> that's that's cool. Um, so um, I have um, two uh, more questions for you, just kind of small ones. Like um, one of uh, one of these, I always ask when I interview a composer: um, what would be your dream project in terms of a certain genre or even franchise you would love to score?
1: Oh, it's interesting you ask because. You know, if you had asked me five or six years ago, I would have said a James Bond film. Um, <laughs> but because I was given the opportunity to score Kingsman, I kind of feel like I fulfilled that, you know, bucket list.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much a, a Roger Moore uh, Bond uh, film, just with a hard R.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and and you know, I've, I've really always been, um, from when I was very young, I think we were talking about earlier, I've really been a fan of musicals. And... Um, and I'm I'm actually working on a film right now, uh, called called Rocket Man, which is a a musical take on um, on Elton John's life, and it's um, so I'm kind of getting to work on that quite a bit, and and uh, and so that's kind of fulfilling that that wish. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I, I consider myself pretty blessed to be to be having been having been part of. Of some of these some of these films that i've had the opportunities to work on
0: oh yeah yeah i, I can imagine so yeah because you actually answered my last question like what what can we expect from you if, uh, in the future <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I'm just starting to to dive into this Rocket Man film. the the, the movie, the 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 film um, or the TV show Rekt is uh, I'm about halfway through the third season now, and that will air at least in the U.S. starting at the very beginning of August. So those are the next kind of two things that are going to keep me busy for the next couple of months.
0: Mm. So yeah, and uh, Rocket Man is also uh, going to be directed by uh, Dexter Fletcher, uh, the the man behind um, Eddie the Eagle. So I'm I'm really excited about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, Dexter's amazing. He he, being being an actor himself, he really knows how to pull um, really fantastic performances and emotion out of out of these actors.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, uh, he he has certainly shown that. It's always great when you um, can uh, direct a film uh, from that angle when you know exactly um uh, what uh, how how you uh, can approach reactors because uh, you you actually uh, know about that firsthand so that's always great so yeah um, i i think actually um uh, we we covered everything i wanted to know is there anything you want to add or uh, want to ask me or just uh, say in general about your your work and your business and everything
1: um what can i say um you can reach me on on, on twitter at matthew margison all one word um and uh yeah I, like i said before i feel blessed to be able to um to be able to write music for a living and even more blessed that i have people like you that uh, actually enjoy to listen to it
0: yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a part of a big online community who loves film music and uh argues and discusses it all the time and um it's it, it's great it's it's really great to uh to be with so many people online like the i mean you you are already familiar with the site sound theater guys they are amazing i was um, a guest on there several times they were guests on my show i, I really love those guys uh, and girls i love their work and it's, uh, it's, it's one of the best uh, soundtrack podcasts out there, if not the best. So it's, it's great that uh, we have the opportunity to listen to certain fans who know what we are talking about and who are even sometimes composers themselves. And uh, it's great that I actually, with my little small show, have the opportunity to get amazing artists like you on here just to chat and uh, tell me about um, yeah how the magic happens.
1: Well, it's, it's lovely to have a little bit of an audience, so thank you very much.
0: Oh, uh, you're welcome, and I thank you that you have been a guest on here. Uh, dear listeners, if you uh, want to see um, where you can find me, you can um, uh, reach me on Facebook and Twitter at Lasse Vogt. Um, this podcast is available on SoundCloud and iTunes, Fans About Films, and... Um, and I also uh, have a YouTube channel where I um, do movies in five seconds. Where also are my short films and my uh, film reviews. And I do German soundtrack reviews on scoregeek.wordpress.com. Uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, there are also some concert reviews I visited in Germany. Um, it's, it's great. So um, I, ju- I just can uh, repeat again. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time and being a guest on here.
1: You're very welcome.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. And so, dear listeners, we wish you all a lovely rest of the day and goodbye.